Hello and welcome back to another episode of Football Gone Rogue where we talk about everything related to tactics, team management and geopolitical views of the beautiful game. This time I Vipul will take you around and go through the exciting transfer that took place and rant about the shocking yet astonishing round of 16 of the best Euros in the history of European Cups. So, without wasting any moment of the hour, let's get straight into what a United fan wanted to be in since a long time because this time we will directly jump into my favorite segment of the show, the football transfer news. Okay, so the hottest transfer of the year if not the biggest is completed and announced on Wednesday night officially by all the sources as Manchester United is already prepared for the announcement of the player and his medical test yes i am talking about jiren sancho who has verbally agreed for this deal alongside his club borussia dortmund for a record fee of 90 million pounds and guaranteed add-ons until june 2026 with a special clause to extend it for a one year which is june 2027 So it was one of the most awaited ones in the football transfer history because you have never seen a huge club like Manchester United absolutely dying for a player like that and to be fair a player of that caliber and quality all the struggle is worth it. It was quite an obvious deal to be made as United were behind him since a year and a half and after Sancho's stats and numbers and his performance of course uh, sinking a bit than the previous one Uh, which was clearly not his best season but his value wasn't taking a bow his market value wasn't taking a bow at all and dorman knew that man you will keep digging for him no matter what as ole and his performance analysis team and scouting team were firm enough that he will soothe the club and its system with given his talent and all that i guess he was a perfect match for them although his contract uh, still had 2 years more left on it and dortmund were open for his transfer talks which gives united a great 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 chance to improve and fix that goddamn right wing problem now let's talk about the stats and numbers and let's see what makes him really so special well compared to the other seasons sancho played most part of this one or the recent one on the left wing for an instance he played 42% on the left side and 38% on the right side while he often tried to switch flanks where he was comfortable on either side of the pitch which is a great positive for all united lovers that he can play in the absence of rashford and also alongside him let's dig into his performance from his first year at dortmund which was the season of 2018 and 19 13 goals and 20 assists are the things that jeren sancho gave dortmund in that year which really tells you that he is not just a trickery player but also a goal contributor and very few english players have met that criteria and managed after stepping out of uk to achieve that feat following year was 2019 and 2020 where jaden sancho gave dortmund 20 goals and 20 assists wow these are facts of a world class player and to maintain the same performance and given data after being criticized that it would be near to impossible to keep that consistency which he easily did and got himself a senior england national call up and pundits did predict it that he would be still doing his magic even after dortmund was under transformational phase under the veteran lucien favre and the last season at dortmund for jiren sancho was the recent one like the 2020 and 21 season he gave dortmund 16 goals and 20 assists talking about the post pandemic season which bayern won after coming back strong dortmund didn't do that well as they were expected to do after looking at the decent start of the season 
and as mentioned before Sancho kept rotating the flanks or the wings for the better outcome which makes him really difficult which makes it really difficult for the opposition full backs to track him down or to keep a mark on him or his incoming dribbles and cutback crosses he really shined under Lucien Favre because he had the mindset to understand his philosophy of using 3-4-3 with the young and modern kids which basically allowed him to you know uh, stay high on the pitch with likes of peace check Thorgan Hazard or Delaney covering up for him and then having Haaland to fill uh, having Haaland to finish all the balls in the net Bellingham to drive the ball um, so that he makes space for himself and then Julian Brandt a great and underrated playmaker in the entire Europe who keeps chipping up the through passes for him so he had a great bunch of lads with him over there and he really had a great connect with them but now it's important that um how does he do from year on uh, in the manchester united team because he needs uh, he really needs to you know connect with the players and have a healthy time over here and also it's the real show time right now because uh, he will be facing low block defensive teams like burnley and newcastle which we already know will play like a 4-4-2 and try to you know keep keep parking the buses in the uh, in the net and they will be trying to you know rip off uh, jaden sancho when he comes 1v1 against him and um, but that's the real test uh, you know to see the temperament of the player like how is he built mentally and all that stuff physically he is decent enough you know to take on any defender and talking about you know how the physicality would work over here of course he's born and uh, he's born over here for sure and he's played most of his life in england um, and throughout his um, in his life he has played for city manchester city uh, in the under age groups uh, but, the, but this time the challenge has reached the skyscraper because we have seen people like falcao di maria memphis defy and the poor one donny van beek who hasn't got enough chances to get used to the system where others did but failed to live up the mark so it's going to be a hell of a challenge you know to firstly to break out in the team and if he does that of course he will because i feel he they are signing him to you know to uh, make him play in the first 11 but the thing is to overcome all the challenges that uh, people are already predicting that what will come his way and just like what am i doing right now i guess he will not just easily overcome it but he will surely you know make it a habit of uh, dribbling down the wings and making more assists and if he does that you know that uh, england spot which he is missing right now will uh, surely be his in the near future the real question that is coming up in everyone's mind is that what does jaden sancho do for manchester united from here on and how will he fix the problem from here so the first problem that comes up to me is the right wing it's it's pretty much absurd it's pretty much uh, not doing that well which is uh, compared to the left wing which is completely strong uh, the, from the left back to the left winger it's completely strong and then you come to the right wing which is united's weakest part so the one thing that comes in everyone minds is that jaden sancho will be a winger that manchester united didn't have who used to cut the ball on the outside or you do some scissors and get inside and then cross the ball another thing that comes up to my mind is uh, mason greenwood like no hate against him or no regret against him but he's a left footed right winger and whenever you think about someone like that all you think of is messi robben and bale or more people like that you know who try to cut the ball and go for the goal or mostly switch the play and then go inside and look for the crosses but uh, what we need right now here from from the manchester united squad is you know to have the crosses from the right side and then have your left wing 
completely coming inside for the crosses so it's more important for them you know to make the star player like rashford pogba or bruno to come inside or near the penalty box so that they can have the chance instead of you know exchanging the wing it doesn't make any difference for them because it's not going to apply in any other match that is going to give them new results so this is the one thing because uh, yeah, mason greenwood can do a lot of things he can you know take the ball on his left or right and he can score from anywhere but right now we're talking about crosses and the amount of impact that you need against any defender you know to get him down on his knees so that you can go ahead of him and try to put in those crosses or those cutback uh, things but that's that's only gonna happen if jaden sancho plays in this uh, right wing position and the next thing is Daniel James. Like he's an injury-prone player. We have seen him last season that he was out most of the times due to injury. But uh, none taken from that. What I want to say over here is that uh, the player that we wanted to see out of him was someone like you know who had a lot of impact on the other players, just like how we expected to be for Greenwood. But he he has shown some abilities. What I am talking about, like to cut it outside and then put some crosses in. But apart from that, you know I don't see consistency in him in that way he might be doing a lot of things for wales and uh, they might have a good run uh, in the euros but right now talking about united you know he i feel jiren sancho overpowers him in every other way because he doesn't have that much of uh, goals and assists to his name and he doesn't have that good uh, hitting power or that crossing ability i remember one pass of his to rashford you know cutting it out and then playing him i guess it was against chelsea but we need to be seeing something like that more often and Jaden Sancho is going to provide more like that. Uh, no hate against him also. But I guess uh, uh, Jaden Sancho will prove more lethal to them. And talking about defensive transitions, you know, Van Bissaka can prioritize defending during counter and positional play. Because we have seen a lot of times that he's he's got caught on the attacking half. And it's late for the team when he arrives as they already, cons as they already conceded. Uh, he's a great tackler and a defender, but not a proper uh, ball-playing right-back what Gareth Southgate needs in England squad. So for him, it's a great opportunity, you know, to get back in the ball-playing patterns and not worry more about overlaps and underlaps for crossings, So as Sancho would do that quite often for them. On the other side, Fred can play some beautiful passes between the left-back and the left-centre-back for the behind runs from Sancho, and then McTominay can drive up the field uh, you know, with him to have a link-up play if possible or else McTominay can trust him if he switches the play from the left to the right wing when he receives the ball from Maguire or Shaw or Bruno while, you know, getting the ball back from the defenders of the other teams or the midfielders. Defensive midfielders will have fun throwing the ball up in the air again and again if it demands going for the blind runs or just, you know, straight through balls which he used to get from Akanji or Mohamed Daud in Dortmund. The left side can, you know, stop overthinking right now or, and overworking as well. And Rashford can still exchange wings without any concern so that, you know, he can get also some duels against tall defenders or try to break his marker's position. And then Sancho easily can break in and create a different vibe as he likes to pause the game and do some tricks and skills. The defenders feel that they have time to settle, but it's actually their downfall and it's working for Manu. Because uh, somewhere from the uh, centre or from the far post, someone will make a run and Sancho might provide a curling ball after cutting it. And for them, it's an easy opportunity to score. So, all in all, I guess it's a great win-win situation for Manchester United, you know, bringing in Sancho so that he can work in both the wings and can benefit for the midfielders and for the striker as well.
the problem number two the problem number two is of course the problem of the unbalanced wings for in case when a team like uh, a big team like Chelsea or Liverpool or City whenever they play against Manchester United they know they don't have to target the left side that's because they have Rashford they have Bruno they have Pogba and they, then they have Shaw over there you know who can not let them go from that side but they have an easy path through the right side so that what uh, that is what concerns all the Manchester United fans and all the Manchester United board because that's the place that they need to fill and the thing that makes it unbalanced is because you know talking about Rashford Rashford loves to play on the left because he's grown and evolved in this game as a left winger or a left sided second striker and that's the reason why he is uh, you know stuck mostly to that left flank uh, on the most of the parts and then Bruno uh, Bruno likes to shift past the left side so that he can gain more free kicks and have a link up play with Rashford and Cavani and then Cavani can go and take turns and make runs in the right uh, from the right and go for the headers. Pogba, uh, on the other hand, Pogba also loves to play on the left side of the midfield and now he won't play as a right winger, which Ole did make him play as his plans were, you know, making more central inverted winger to provide more direct shots on the goal and join in the first line of defence if they lose the possession or they are under a counter, which is a great tactic from right now. Uh, Shaw really can't play as a right back because he's a great left back and Brandon Williams won't be needed in a wing-back role, in a 4-4-2 system. So Pogba, Bruno, Cavani, Marshall or Rashford uh, shift to the right flank for neutral balance and they can create more space behind the midfield. So it makes him look like a 2-3-5 in the attacking positions of the other half uh, to create more threat and try to keep the ball more on themselves uh, like City or Liverpool. And that's what will make them look more on the offensive side and will make them look more threatening. And Shaw also, you know, gives a great balance centrally for Bruno as a number 10 and Cavani as a number 9 where he, you know, he can play the uh, lateral passes in between like he does to Kane uh, right now in the Euros. And that's going to be a great help for, you know, to uh, Bruno, you know, to get up between the defenders and try to link up with him. And that's equally going to help them when he Bruno will play on the right flank. So he will have Van Bissaka over there so that Van Bissaka has no problem you know staying a little bit lower than he is expected to be because in the last few seasons as I spoke and as I mentioned before he used to be going for the underlaps and the overlaps so you used to get him right over the corner over there see him on the right flank but behind the um, half line mark or ahead of it a little bit but that's the place that you will want him to see and um, also the most important fact right now is if Manchester United sign Kieran Trippier like uh, the right back for England national right now as they have an eye on him that right flank will just get better and better uh, we never know we might see United play with the three centre backs in the future and adapt a 3-5-2 holding or a 3-4-3 wide attacking play or a counter play which is adapted by Tuchel and then Conte and many more from the global sport uh, so this is something that I would really love to see when Jadon Sancho comes in and all the you know reformation of the system goes on and a new philosophy is turned out by Ole and I really believe in his formations and his tactics and his system so I really hope this works out very well for Manchester United and um, let's see if Kirian Trippier works that well for them and then if it really works out then I guess United do have a shot at a title because not only Liverpool and City or Chelsea would be looking out for 
the title knowing that they are going to sign more players but united you know having few uh, transfers in their pocket but more impact because they have same lineup and they're going to rebuild that thing you know they have a little slight advantage over here and looking at the forward line and whatever we talk about is a dream line for any other player to be in and for the defenders it's a nightmare so let's see where united goes on from here so let's move on to the best week of football experienced by any football fan or anyone who just witnessed it might be just ruling over the outcome of the round of 16 games and be going like mad and crazy and to be very blunt this underdogs plus not so favorite nations man they really fucked up my predictions to be honest which i did it in my previous pod and if you haven't heard it go now and listen and then come back like now well that was one of my stubborn promotional sides which you will get to see quite often and i ain't gonna stop that and don't mind me at all please so let's hear it about the small nations Czech Republic, Switzerland, Ukraine were massively influential and just picked up a fight which no one would ever do and they did win but with so much passion and hope and the kind of mamba mentality that they had was unreal and second to none on the other hand Italy and Denmark were quite beautiful presenting the fans with great show of football Denmark went four up against Wales without conceding none with a solid display from Kasper Dahlberg who scored two past the Wales keeper Italy also won in the injury time as I did mention in my previous podcast so if you haven't heard it again please go and do listen to it talking about the unreal things let's rant about Belgium versus Portugal where Belgium won 1-0 against Portugal in the round of 16 so let's start off with Portugal um both teams started playing neutral but with Portugal you know Portugal went for a 4-3-3 Sanchez Palhinha Dalot and Moutinho were the new substitutes which were uh brought and they were the new starting line and they were added in the new starting lineup great watch for the eye as we saw new and energetic players compared to william carvalho of course and danilo the basic tactic uh was there to uh, the basic tactic was uh set as 4231 where sanchez runs the midfield and palinha would be defensive midfielder and motinho uh who was supposed to be a uh, partnering him he will go and support sanchez for the attack when needed and ronaldo as always pretty good but couldn't find the net unfortunately uh, on the other hand belgium belgium had you know belgium had witzel vermalen and eden hazard uh, starting with their usual 343 which turns into a 3421 uh, because the belgium on the other hand had bring uh, new substitutes for their playing 11 which were witzel vermalen which of um which were witzel vermalen eden hazard um starting with their usual 343 which basically turns into a 3421 system for de bruyne and hazard to free room uh, behind of uh, lukaku de bruyne didn't have de bruyne didn't have a great impact on the game as he barely you know touched the ball less than 3 4 times in the first opening minutes as he was looking for place to settle because Palinia again the man who was implanted to mark him down was doing his job very well uh, Alderweireld and Vertonghen were clueless and quite loose in the whole match against Portugal as they took the charge um Witzel set a low tone for the midfield but qu- managed quite well and both the Hazard bros 
were playing like they are playing in their hometown with their friends because Aiden was dribbling and moving into such good spaces and was attracting tackles from Pepe and Diaz. And what to say about the wonder goal from Thorgan Hazard, again created by his elder brother Aiden Hazard, shifting around from the right and then laying the ball off for his brother Thorgan, who had the option to play inside to Lukaku, but thought big, like really big, and went on to hit a swirling screamer, which people do like to call it. But in my case, I don't consider it as a great goal, because the position of the keeper, Rui Patricio, was absolute bullshit. For any keeper, it's a basic learning rule, like uh, that you only stand near the pole or grab your mark near the pole when the ball is either side of it. But Patricio was already uh, onto the near post rather than staying, uh, staying central and the ball didn't even go in the top corner as it was quite inside the second post. Like Rui Patricio has had problems in the Euro continuously but didn't learn from it and this was a clear example of it because the ball was in centre aisle and he could have you know, stayed centre and could have got the hand on the ball but it didn't go for him quite well and I guess it's time for Portugal, you know, to look up for a new keeper from here on and for the next tournament as well. And the talk of the match was the second half dominance by Renato Sanchez because it was a great show and tells us how much that guy has worked on himself after being criticised so much by the English media after being a failure at Swansea in 2018. Uh, but from there, he went to Lille and took the French league by a storm, absolute storm. He was sensational running all around in the match, again bossing the other midfielders and I guess he has played less minutes than some of the most important players in the Portugal lineup, for example Bruno, but has more impact on the team in this Euro so far. That being said, Courtois and Belgium kept the clean sheet and next challenge against Italy is not going to be easy at all for sure because my money is on Italy, that's because Courtois defence didn't help him throughout. Uh, yet they managed a win and that's not going to happen every other time like they're going to play a big team just like Portugal could have scored but the ball did hit the post when Guerrero hit, swift, uh, hit it sweetly after a rebound so it was a great match but a heartbreak for Portugal, Madrid and Ronaldo fans for of course all around the world but it is a great learning curve for the Portugal team and I guess a new generation will come up it's under a transformational phase again uh, we never know if this is going to be Ronaldo's last Euros but Let's keep our fingers crossed and let's hope for the best. And another unreal match was between France and Switzerland. And I guess one of the best matches of this Euro. Uh, because uh, not the first time Switzerland is making any grand statement in the world of sports, right? Like, Because this team has learned its moral values from the great Roger Federer for sure. Like who had defeated world number one at that time, Peter Sampras being the number 15th uh, seeded player at Wimbledon and became a title threat. And this is what Switzerland have done. I'll start off with France. Like France started with a pathetic 3-5-2 defensive system uh, with Lingelet, Varane and Kimpembe at the back, supported by Kante, Pogba and then Griezmann as an attacking mid-option to help them out. And as they had a already ongoing issue of a left-back, they played Rebio a wing-back, I don't know why, but uh, which is why I think uh, Didier Deschamps went with three in the back and not because he was matching the opponent's tactics but he had no option for a proper left-back. 
so switzerland took advantage of that and dominated the first half and then the arsenal uh, captain sorry the ex captain and one of the best uh, cdms you will find in this modern game uh, played a brilliant display of his game and with his through balls to sefernovic and embolo in the first half were absolutely on point i guess second half was the point where everything turned out in this match like uh, in the second half uh, switzerland had a great start and they played great football and they earned a penalty but left back rodriguez who is always the pinpoint man for free kicks and penalty went on to miss that chance of going two up against the france team but uh, switzerland were playing good brand of football as i said as shakiri playing as number 10 had a decent impact in their 3412 formation uh, where he makes as a number 10 very well uh, steven zuber their left wing back is just another bright star for this team because the threat he brings along in his overlaps is really worth noticing if you are going to watch switzerland's game in the next uh, quarter final on the other hand benzema you know the more you talk about this guy it seems very less because the first goal was absolutely criminal like he had no goddamn right to receive that ball but benzema is benzema he took his right leg behind as soon as he saw the ball was drifting apart and then as it landed in front of him he took a very decent touch and then put the ball through the keeper in a second touch like that is absolutely genius from that guy but that doesn't stopping from being great right like Uh, just like the first goal the second required good positioning and then he really went behind the defenders and waited for the deflection where he thought the uh, griezmann would hit a shot but he tried to chip in but he was there at the point where the ball could have got deflected and he got the ball and then headed it home like no one other and that's what tells you like this guy is not just a proper number 9 but is also a genius a man who every kid should look up if he's looking to you know start as a striker in the game of football and of course talking about goals none of us would ever want to forget uh, paul pogba and his performance and his wonder goal uh, he was easily the best standout player on the pitch for france which included many good balls uh, to mbappe which he missed for understandable reason of not having a great tournament since uh, day one of the group stage uh, pogba on the other hand has been consistently performing excellent throughout the group stage which he will never do for manchester united but i hope this is the year that makes people believe that the real value he has to his name and uh, on his t-shirt uh, is true and genuine cuz we all have seen him underperform in his club level which is completely opposite in the case of engolo kante and moving ahead i feel you know these two players need to step up more for france and club as well because they know that they have a certain amount of creativity and ability you know to take the team to the next level but uh, in this case right now for the france team uh, only pogba has showed up and kanté hasn't because i guess he is not you know in that zone of the system or he is not finding that rhythm within him but let's see if he now as they are out of course uh, let's see how they perform in the premier league and let's see if their club has go- uh, if the club has any new plans for them and are going to make new changes in the midfield lineup or anywhere in the team that would complement their game anymore from here you know but switzerland they didn't stop you know they did not give up as they came up from two goals down and uh, as they saw the errors in the unstable defense of france uh, like the one cross which came as through ball from zaka it was very good and the second uh, open play screamer really took the win out of the hands of france team and as the commentators the audience and the managers thought the game was done and dusted 
and will favor in the hands of France. But destiny had a change of plan, and so did Switzerland. Like Akanji, the genius from Dortmund, whose video is currently out on internet, um, who's been solving problems of math uh, more th- faster than a calculator, was the best defender on the pitch uh, against France, and really uh, solved all the queries. Like he stopped all, so many crosses. He stopped so many duels, he had shots which went 1v1 and he took them out and then when he had opportunities to stop a 2v2 situation which was a link-up play between Griezmann and Mbappe or Griezmann and Benzema and, uh, and Griezmann and Mbappe, uh, Benzema and Mbappe sorry, uh, he was absolutely mind-blowing which came from Benzema or Pogba, it, it didn't matter for him because he was all the way down for all the way down for it and he believed in himself and he just went through all of this shit. In the end, you know, Switzerland did manage to come back, but they didn't go one more past uh, so France. But uh, all in all, it did went down to penalties after the 120th minute where Mbappe, Kylian Mbappe, couldn't handle the pressure and missed the goal. Well, it was penalties and the match could have gone in anyone's hand. But for me, the best team had won, even after predicting that they would lose. And I feel they can really think about that silverware now after showing such performance. And, you know, when you give a player like Mbappe such good pressure, you know, I can imagine what all good you could do to England or Belgium if you face him. I guess it's going to be one hell of a match. So let's see who faces who and what personal battles we're going to see from here with Switzerland and the other teams, whoever they're going to face. Germany versus England which is personally my favorite game and which I was really looking forward to watch eagerly because uh, Southgate uh, was expected to do some miracle and he really did. Southgate went for a 3-for-3 matching uh, Germany ideally for matching the threats of wing-backs and defenders. You know Trippier and Shaw were quite attackingly progressive which is a rare right to see. Um, and it felt really good, you know, uh, Saka, Kane and Sterling made up for the forward line where Saka turned out to be the threat in the opening 10-15 to 15 minutes against Rudiger and Gosens and then eventually Hummels because uh, his crosses really came in and Harry Kane could have gone anywhere near it and it would have been a score. But Germany, man, like, they started quite okay and Kai Havertz, um, again, was everywhere, like, the he was like the best player for them just like how he was against Portugal. I had great hopes from Kimmich, uh, knowing that he is a great wing-back and he will have great battle against Shaw. But Shaw really nailed it, even though Kimmich was having a great form in that wing-back position. And then Timo Werner, man, the striker who started ahead of Gnabry, which was not bad, and he delivered a bit after getting some key passes from Havertz. But he really couldn't convert it because he is Timo Werner after all, uh, the one who misses everything. But you never know when anything would change for him. Uh, to be honest, Germany wasn't in the match more than 30 minutes because they had lost the momentum and they lost the ball and they lost the possession again and again. And that is what I feel uh, was lacking in the system where they could have you know, got the ball and retained the position and went back at it again. But they couldn't. Then the whole match was England's match, you know, like there were no threats from the opposition. Then really, uh, sorry, then the Englishmen started picking up spots uh, to fill the space and move the ball in and out from everywhere. A playmaker was really missing for both the teams, 
but for England it was quite visible as no direct threats were involved against Germans from central line or from the lateral line. But the defenders uh, did bring the line up which put the Germans on toes. Uh, Phillips and Rice started to pick up sideways and backward passes without any pressure and that was great to see because Germany would uh, were not pressing them and they had them everywhere in their position and in their in their own half. Maguire man, the the best defender on the pitch, the Man United man, uh, with his mind-blowing forward runs, interceptions, cover-up for Stones and Walker everywhere as they kept shifting throughout the match. But Maguire, you know, he was a different class. He was really missing in the group stage first two matches, cause the defense was, cause the defense wasn't carrying the ball, uh, you know, to pressurize the opposition forwards. He gave up his entire body in every tackle. You know, which shows he's a complete and dedicated defender. Again, a great news for United fans that he is fit, and what a great lineup they're gonna form in this next season. I guess this week is actually the best week for United fans, isn't it? And one thing, uh, United fans, uh, and one another thing that United fans hate but they love as England fans is Sterling, and with him, Declan Rice, who were the heart of the team throughout. Declan Rice had a great holding play and con- and he was controlling the rhythm. Uh, Sterling was putting great behind runs, supported Kane as a second striker when Saka wanted to cut in and cross it in. He has been really you know mocked by us for his starting 11 spot. Now he has shut me up for sure and other critics as well because he scored a brilliant open play goal which was made up by the man of, Ast- uh, of Aston Villa. Uh, Grealish, Jack Grealish, the man, the right man for 100 million move. You know he deserves every credit. Like a great take ons, you know brave one v ones, brilliant crosses, and that's why you know what really Man City is going after, and they just don't want a team to be conservative, and you know pass the ball everywhere around. They want a team and a player within them, but they you know always wanted a player who was brave and could take on any other man, and this Grealish is the only right choice for this job and Kane didn't do great but he was influential in the second half as he demanded more balls from Walker who was uh, trying to play as inverted uh, right defender but eventually even Kane scored and shut everyone up like me. Um, Pickford again a great goalkeeper not the great but a good goalkeeper um, he didn't get much uh, he didn't get much appreciation but the balls he played were fabulous to watch you know and he managed that defense quite well and he made hell out of Muller's life by coming up at once and scaring the shit out of him as he missed a sitter shot like it was too good to be uh, watching such things when you are expecting a high voltage match and it did happen on the other hand in uh, German side you know Tony Cruz, Tony Cruz Hummels, uh, Goretzka were decent as well and maybe a last ride for Cruz or Hummels, uh, maybe like we never know, uh, they might take a retirement as soon as possible as they both have dropped hints and with them, it's Thomas Muller for sure who has come out publicly saying sorry to the fans and accepting that it was his shot, um, that accepting that it was his shot of target that caused them the game, which is quite brave and a mature move from such a beautiful player like Thomas Muller. I know he might have, if he would have scored that, Germany 
could have you know got back in the game but it was completely england's game man like when you see 45000 fans in that stadium and the backing up support that they have it was actually unplayable um and i don't blame muller's you know off uh, off target shot or what germany did um uh, because everything was on the england side everything was in england's favor and you know i guess you never know it is coming home it's i guess it's not too early to say i guess we are in the mid of it but uh, yeah it might come home and with that being said i guess we are done for the day we're done for this one and um, let's see what else do we have on the next side of this uh, another podcast and it's time to take your leave if you have enjoyed listening to us keep supporting and thank you so very much for joining in and i hope to see you all again in another episode as well